0: I'm Evie Russman and welcome to the Perry Network podcast. I'm reporting from the Perry Europe Forum 2023 in London, where over 300 attendees have come together to discuss the current issues facing private real estate. This comes after a year of uncertainty, with rising interest rates and geopolitical issues still threatening to derail the asset class. But how is the sector coping? To discuss this further, Perry editor Evelyn Lee caught up with Boris Ulovich, partner at Apollo Global Management, who argues that firms that can adapt to changing conditions and offer flexibility will find the most opportunity. So, hey
1: Boris. Hey Evelyn, how are you?
0: Good, and good to see you. Okay, so first question is how optimistic or pessimistic are you about real estate opportunities right now? and how are you managing fundraising?
1: Sure, so look, despite all the kind of negative headlines that we're seeing for commercial real estate right now globally, I think, but for the office, you know, the operating fundamentals across uh, most asset classes remain stable on a historical basis, you know, with occupancy levels remaining stable for the time being. And so, you know, much of the cap rate compression we've seen has occurred, you know, due to the rapid and significant increase in financing costs, as opposed to the distressed, the underlying properties. And so the combination of the you know increased uh, inflation and tighter financing markets is no doubt impacting the supply of new real estate product, which over time I think will benefit in place assets through an eventual recovery. And so, given these dynamics, you know we're still optimistic about certain sectors, uh, in particular those where you know we have sector specific strategies that are underpinned by compelling long term fundamentals, and in particular where we, as a platform, can provide creative solutions attractive execution and liquidity to our counterparties. But, you know, in order to make these work, I think investors need to recalibrate uh, from the practices that have developed, you know, over the last decade of cheap money to new financial realities. And I think for those that can, there is opportunity today. You know, currently we're seeing Opportunity in new purpose-built student housing, which is one of the key sectors of focus for us when there's also a very fundamentally favorable supply and demand dynamic. You know, it's it's also sector that has low correlation with the negative macroeconomic trends, which I think at this moment in time is an interesting place to be. And the same applies for some of the other sectors where we're spending time and seeing opportunity, whether it's multi-single family residential. Uh, urban logistics and innovation, real estate—you know—which are all sectors that we've been active of late and continue to look at opportunities in a market that we believe is going to be more attractively priced going forward. On the fundraising side, you know that's that's obviously been a much more strained environment. I think you know while the denominator effect coupled with the negative CRE press doesn't help, um, you know we've had constructive dialogue with many LPs across the globe, you know who continue to want exposure to specialized real estate strategies that can deliver attractive returns and. Given how much cap rates have expanded, you know, capital raised in 2023 and 24, vintages funds I think will be at current reset valuations. You know, which I think many LPs view as an attractive entry point with the ability to generate excess return per unit of risk for well-defined strategies that offer you know access to otherwise difficult to invest in sectors at scale. I think real estate debt in particular I think has been viewed by many LPs as, as attractive in this moment in time given higher base rates and wider spreads at, you know lower attachment points while being senior in a capital stack at a time when you know a lot of traditional lenders are retreating
0: would you say that's where you've received the most investor demand in terms of fundraising
1: i look i think it's been it's been interesting across the pitch i would say you know so we you know we're definitely in dialogue you know with LPs on the real estate debt opportunity where we have a market leading platform, you know, in Europe as a non-traditional bank lender, equally we are seeing significant demand for our distress and special situations business, which generally tends to operate as a capital solutions provider, which in this moment in time is particularly attractive. And we're equally seeing, you know, interesting dialogue with LPs on our core plus strategies where we're very sector and within sector focused for those strategies where valuations are starting to look attractive relative to long-term intrinsic value, but where you know the underlying asset performance is is still doing very well despite the current environment we're in.
0: do you think prices have further to fall? you know have we hit bottom yet?
1: It's a difficult question to answer. I think you know we we ultimately look to analysis to try and get a gauge for where we are at any given point in the cycle. I think if you've been acquisitive over the last couple of years, I think save for a few exceptions, whatever you own right now has to be worth less. The UK, as it usually is, is is ahead of the rebasing cycle. And, you know, I would expect Europe to follow in, in particular, given the pace of the interest rate rises, you know, that we're starting to see in Europe, you know, as that accelerates, I would expect that to adjust, you know, or start to reflect in some of the European valuations. Whether this is trough, I think will be very asset class specific. I think it will also be you know very linked to whether assets are primary or secondary in both location and quality and ultimately i think it's also going to be very capital stack specific you know in particular in jurisdictions like germany and sweden where you know as a market we're coming off particularly high multiples you know against a very low cost of financing market you know which i think Will contribute to further strain in that market, right? What we've seen so far has really been value declines, mostly driven by that higher financing or refinancing costs, you know, and the continued standoff between buyers and sellers right now, which is, you know, which is creating that bid ask spread, I think, is manifesting itself through significantly reduced transaction volumes, you know, at near or at, you know, decade lows. And, you know, there has to be a, you know, capitulation point at some stage, in particular with inflation proving a lot stickier than I think a lot of participants. In the market would have thought six or twelve months ago. And so in short, I think you know, something something's gonna have to give. You know, I think in particular given the cheap cost of capital is clearly gone and probably gone for some time. And I think equally alongside the, the cost of capital that's been significantly rebased, I think some of the assumptions that have been made over the last five years as regards to rental growth have been possibly a little bit overly optimistic with respect to certain assets and sectors. And as the broader economy slows down, you know, we would expect to see rental growth uh, slow with it and therefore have a moderating impact on valuations. And so I think we will certainly see declines, but I, you know, I think they will be asymmetric across the different markets and, and, and different asset classes.
0: Where are you seeing the rebasing um, first in terms of, I mean, you talked about the UK, but like in terms of sectors, you know, you've seen retail already rebase. Where else have you seen that already happening? I know there's more to come. Yeah.
1: Look, I think there's, I'll give you two examples. I think there's two sectors in particular where you're seeing that happen uh, for different reasons. One, we're clearly seeing it in the office space, you know, and that is manifested still with a relatively small volume of assets that are trading, given my earlier comment regarding the the general compression on the volume of overall uh, transactions that are happening in Europe. But, you know, that's a sector that's clearly facing multiple headwinds. You know, it's everything from the adaptation to the new reality of, you know, working from home and general working practices. As well as employers willingness to offer that flexibility to the workforce to ESG considerations that are going to be weighing very heavily on the sector. I mean, you know, if you look at the data that's been out the last couple of months, you know, 85% of the European stock office stock is non ESG or EPC friendly with significant regulations coming over the coming years. You know, so I think there you're definitely seeing not only a significant drop off in demand from the investor community you referenced retail earlier. I think there's some parallels there. But I think you're also seeing some other things at play that I think are more fundamental and existential with respect to us, in particular a lot of the more commoditized secondary stock. So I think that's certainly an area we're seeing, you know, not only a drop-off in demand, but also a drop-off in valuation. I think interestingly, the opposite end of the spectrum, and to your question on, on jurisdiction, if you look at the UK logistics space, it has repriced at an incredible pace, you know, the back end of last year notwithstanding the still very attractive long-term secular fundamentals underpinning the sector and you know significant lack of demand in the right locations on the back of relatively thin transactional evidence in the back of last year. So that's been an interesting sector at the opposite end of the spectrum, which is well underpinned, uh, well invested, that is quite interesting. And yet you've seen very significant revaluations uh, of those assets. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out through the next year or two.
0: And following on from that, do you expect to see distressed real estate opportunities, and if so, when?
1: Yeah, sure. Look, I mean, we, we've already begun to see distress caused by from both deleveraging and dislocation. It's starting to happen. It's in pockets right now, rather than you know more prevalent. Uh, we're fortunate; Apollo's got one of the largest non-bank commercial real estate debt platforms in Europe, as well as you know broad residential mortgage business, which often serves as a canary in a coal mine. You know about impending credit problems in the market. That helps us in turn forecast what's coming and provides us with an interesting channel for identifying potential investment opportunities. And we're seeing situations where borrowers have either defaulted or where assets are performing, but, you know, subject to regulatory capital liquidity or other owner pressures is causing those assets to be sold. We're also seeing opportunities in our asset-backed solutions business, which encompasses opportunities where we can provide bespoke, structured, asset-backed capital solutions to fill the structural gaps that are emerging as a consequence of the retreat of the traditional lenders. And these solutions often deal with very idiosyncratic capital structure issues, liquidity needs, or owner stress. Um, so this is you know, a very vibrant area right now as asset lending markets have effectively frozen in Europe, allowing us to identify opportunities and engage with and to create some you know, attractive creative solutions. And so the conditions in Europe, I think in the main, I think will worsen over the coming months. For structural and cyclical reasons, I think the structural reasons include the fact that you know Europe is predominantly a bank finance market as opposed to capital markets funded market and European banks are very entrenched in their local regions and have less distribution of risk. So these problems reside in the bank's balance sheets and will need to be resolved notwithstanding the significantly improved absorption capacity when compared to the pre-GFC period. So that, for example, is one area we are starting to see stress form. Another structural issue in Europe is that, you know, the continent's got a very complex and very slow-moving regulatory framework you know, as a banking authority, but no banking union. And then the cyclical reasons that are causing a lot of the distress we're starting to see are, you know, quite apparent. You know, inflation and energy costs are putting significant pressure on borrowers, causing, you know, watch list assets to rise and loan quality to deteriorate and, and, and rising rates that, you know, seem a lot stickier than I think many imagined, I think will create pinch points at loan rollover moments, which will not be helped by the fact that lending markets are frozen and debt costs are multiples of what they were, you know, just 12 months ago. So, we're definitely starting to see some of it emerge from you know listed corporates, uh, you know those with with near term you know rollover risk, those with transitional assets that require significant expenditure of equity in order to effectively restabilize and reposition assets, and you know we're starting to engage with that opportunity you know in the main. As to the earlier discussion in office, you know as to you know whether that yet is a distressed opportunity, I think it's probably a little bit too early to tell from the perspective of a- actionable distressed opportunity but you know there's no doubt that you know there there's a consequence of all of these changes that are affecting the asset class you know and that willingness to embrace flexibility i think there will be no doubt opportunities that will emerge in a space over the coming 12 to 24 months as as incumbent owners you know come to terms with the fact that they have to deal with a very different financing and refinancing environment and have to tackle some of these longer term structural risks that I believe will cause some level of distress and certainly stress across the sector.
0: That again was Boris Ulovich from Apollo Global Management. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out the rest of our conference coverage on the Perry Network website. See you next time.